Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Star Wars The Last Jedi, directed by Ryan Johnson and released in 2017. The plot of the movie goes something like this. While Leia, Finn and Poe work to save the Resistance, Rey joins Luke Skywalker in exile to learn about the ways of the Jedi. Yeah, and normally at this point uh, we do a little spoiler-free section where we ask, should you see this movie? Um, You're all going to see this movie, I know you are. <laughs> But we'll do a little spoiler-free section um, at the top. I know people are very sensitive to Star Wars spoilers, so we'll keep it short and then we'll go into we'll warn you when we're going into spoiler territory. Okay. This was not my favourite Star Wars movie. I liked it a lot less than I liked Force Awakens. I know that's not a wildly popular opinion um, when it comes to critics. Um, it's definitely more original than Force Awakens is, but I'm not sure that all of that is a particularly good thing. I like some things about it and not other things. I definitely thought it wasn't as pretty as either The Force Awakens or Empire Strikes Back, which was a real kind of letdown for me. Like there are some moments and still frames that are pretty, but the camera movement's not quite right. And uh, I just didn't – it wasn't really gorgeous like Force Awakens and Empire Strikes Back, which is – Empire's really famous for that. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually struggling a bit myself as well because – like we watched it last night and I'm like this morning, I'm like, so what What was my takeaway? Yeah. Um, there's some bits I really liked. I thought the script was really funny. Um, it was a lot funnier than most Star Wars movies get to be and the actors get to do a bit of like banter that recalls some of the fun banter that Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford wrote for themselves back mm. in the earlier movies. So I enjoyed that. There's bits that I – there's good bits, there's fun bits – there's some nice moments. There's some moments that made me go, huh? Yeah. And, uh, like, it's a fun enough experience, but I don't think as a piece that it's brilliant necessarily. Yeah, I think it lacked focus and the pacing was not good, which has been a problem a lot in movies this year, I've noticed. But, uh, yeah, it definitely lacked focus. Like, there were a lot of characters and it didn't quite know what it wanted to do with all of them, um, which we'll get into a bit more later. But uh, I think that kind of was to its detriment. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see it and I would say go see it because, you know, it's, you know, you need to kind of keep up with these movies. But yeah, with the sort of caveat that I I don't think it's as brilliant. It d- certainly doesn't feel um, as fresh and brilliant and like take you along on a roller coaster ride fun as The Force Awakens did. Well, no, my, my immediate reaction after watching The Force Awakens was, I want to watch that again. Yeah. That was not my immediate reaction after Last Jedi. It was, I want to go home and go to bed. <laughs> yeah. And it was late last night, but still, it just we wasn't. We watched Force Awakens late. Yeah. For the first time as well. It's Yeah, Force Awakens energized me. This yeah. This one was like, okay, uh, yeah, <laughs> we're done now, I can go to bed. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we will get into spoiler territory now. So, if you haven't seen The Last Jedi yet, uh, stop listening now and come back uh, to the podcast when you have. Um, yeah, um, okay, so my biggest, I think the thing over last night and today, my two biggest problems with this movie are what they did with Finn and Rose. Oh my god, yes, that's one of my biggest problems Um, too. Just the whole thing they did with Finn and Rose. I really like those characters, but they were in a useless subplot. Not just useless, but actively detrimental to the movie subplot. And then they put in this weird love triangle thing at the end that made me very uncomfortable and, and very unhappy. And they hadn't set up for. No. Just, mm. Well, I mean, I suppose if you read it a certain way, but like I was probably active, actively avoiding reading the movie well, that way. <laughs> but I, one of the things I liked about The Force Awakens and this movie up until the very last minute is that Ray and Finn and Ray and Rose, uh, Finn and Rose, 
were like they were like nice, fun friendship sort mm. of relationships. I'm there was a, a sense of like friends doing things and having fun together. Yeah. And I liked that partly as, you know, Star Wars is broad appeal to children and children, like particularly the young kids who really like this, are at an age where like the boy-girl friendships should be a nice and fun mm. and we play and we have adventures together. And I think that's a nice thing to be on screen and then to kind of pull the rug from under you and have this weird romance thing happen when I hadn't read the romance No, I all. hadn't either. It, over the last two movies at all, I didn't pick up the chem- any chemistry or like sense that that's where this was going at all. You pick that up between Poe and Finn, <laughs> like that is played a lot more romantically, like the way they run at each other when they see each other and yeah, that's, all that kind of that's thing. Yeah, that's really played down in this movie. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. I think the thing that if we're going to directly compare this to Empire Strikes Back – which it can be, I think. Yeah. What Empire Strikes Back did was really build that relationship between Han and Leia mm. in close quarters, like being stuck together, and build the relationships of the main characters from the previous film at, while Luke learned about himself, yeah. right, in like dramatic ways. And also looked amazing, which I'm probably going to harp on a lot. But that's what Empire does, you know. And then it ends on a little bit of a downer and they're separated. And then this one kind of doesn't do that at all. Um, it doesn't build on the relationships from the last movie. Instead, it creates this new one. Separates them to, all. And, yeah. and splits them all up like, and barely has them interacting with each other, which is a real kind of – it just doesn't give you that – those like feelings, the big dramatic feelings. I think mm. the all the big dramatic feelings are saved for like Kylo Ren – the yeah. worst character. <laughs> Although I did, I mean, I thought, I think Adam Driver is good. He's so good. And I think that, like, I was intrigued by what happened in this movie and gratified at the end that Kylo Ren turned out bad. I kind of thought it was going to happen. Mm. I thought he was going to turn on Snoke and kill him and take over, especially when he's talking about let the old things die and all that sort of stuff. I thought mm. that might happen. But I'm glad it did. I'm glad they didn't go for a redemption arc with him. No, but you do get that Through one- the pretty girl especially. Yeah, yeah. But you do get that wonderful moment where he and Ray work together and because and you, you, you're on Ray's side, you're like, she thinks there's hope and yeah. that is a nice moment to have. The best thing about that was the fight choreography. That was great. Wow. Fight choreography. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, fight choreography was really good. And the Finn and Phasma fight choreography, man, that was great. That was mm. the most excited I was in the whole movie for <laughs> Finn, I think. The thing is I really loved Finn in the first one and they just – I don't know what they were trying to do with him in this one. Yeah, he, he had this great – like the first one was really great because it was like Poe and Ray kind of helping him out and rescuing him almost, mm. and it had that he just had this lovely dynamic with everybody. Yeah, and this one, yeah, you pull him apart, you put him with Rose, and Rose is lovely, and the two of them together are quite a lot of fun. But it does feel disconnected from everything else that's going on. Yeah, and it, <laughs> there's a bit of um prequeliness to that Las Vegas <laughs> planet that I did not enjoy. Um, I called it the Monaco planet, but yeah, no, I know. <laughs> it was very prequely. And I, yeah, I was not into that. There was also uh, the prequely, like, there were just animals everywhere. Oh my God, so many like, creatures. Un, an unnecessary amount of creatures. Like, the little sparkly things that lead them through the salt planet. Crystal and the, dogs? Yeah, the crystal dog things. And then there's the porgs, which keep coming back. And there was the horse thingies, like, too many. And the, the thing that, 
Luke milked, which was actually I liked that. Oh, that was funny bit. though. That was it was funny, bit. but it was also kind of like the harsh reality of what he like yeah. of his life and at that point. And then you've also got a little subplot around the indigenous people of the island that Luke lives on, and they keep having to clean up Ray's messes. It's really upsetting. Like yeah. they. They, she does so like things happen with Ray. Are and they then, like, indigenous? It he says he says they're the native inhabitants of the oh, island. Oh, I thought he said they were the caretakers. Oh, okay. But I, he he says he could have said both. I don't the remember word native inhabitants okay. or something like that. And so in my head, I just went indigenous or what, and that made me think you know like First Nations people or whatever. And so it made me really uncomfortable but for the rest of the movie where see, she that, kept, she, they're there to take care of the Jedi. Like he says, they have been looking after the Jedi right. landmarks and things. Right, so that that might. So it seems like more uh, they're like caretakers for the Jedi stuff rather than the. Island. But I I don't know. But I don't remember see, him saying native. Right, so, I, so I yeah maybe I misread that um, because they didn't really like make big enough fuss about it being a Jedi island to me. Like there was there was that there, but it was well there was the burning down the tree scene, which I think the strongest stuff in this movie was the Luke and Ray stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and also I actually really liked. See, okay, I really liked Poe, but I'm going to anyway. Mm. I liked Poe and Holdo, but I wish they'd written it better because all I could think was that's a 30-second conversation to tell him what the plan is. They have no reason to believe they're being bugged or spied mm. on. Why doesn't she tell him? Yeah, what's why going doesn't, on? Why doesn't she tell him ever? That's a giant plot hole that's just there so that the middle of the movie, which feels like it's treading water while the important stuff happens with Luke and Ray, can happen. Yeah. Like, that's just... I just got really annoyed because they're really trying to make us like Laura Dern's character yeah. and she's so good. And then you're like, but there's no reason for her not to tell and, him And this. that conflict, like the Poe conflict with his bosses thing is a really interesting part of his character. Yeah. Like the movie opens with Poe. <laughs> Opening is the best, do- my favourite part. <laughs> but Poe also directly causes the deaths of a whole lot of his colleagues and the loss of heaps of all, almost all of their bombing fleet. He does, but he also directly causes a major victory against the no, so no, I, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, that war thing, right? right? Like, but that conflict, that interesting conflict between what generals got to think about and mm. what a you know a frontline soldiers got to think about. That's the most. That is really interesting. Actually, the most interesting part of the movie is probably Ray and Luke. I, I agree, but um, that stuff is really interesting, and they kind of unnecessarily convolute it. Yes, they do. But I, I mean, he, he definitely also learns his lesson by the end of the movie mm. and, and Holdo gets her big moment and all that sort of stuff. That's mm. really big moment. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things I really liked about the screening we were in is there was lots of audience reaction to yeah. things. And that big Holdo moment at the end was just like everybody had huge reactions. There was huge reactions. But there was also like bits of clapping mm. that happened. Like when Kylie Ren helps Ray, there's like, or seems to help Ray. There was clapping I heard um, at, at other times, so that was really fun. That audience sort of participation thing. But yeah, yeah. I actually saw two stills today of the two of the comparison between that fight in the forest, mm. the snowy forest, and the fight on the ship. Yeah, yeah. And you can just see it's just in like things like the cinematography and stuff because the production design on that ship is fantastic, mm. right? That in snows in Snoke's chamber, yeah, yeah, is great with the lobster troopers and all that stuff. It's, yeah, it all looks really good, but. It's not framed as nicely. It's mm. not as clean. It's not as pretty. Uh, yeah, I just was noticing that. But yeah, there, yeah, there was a lot of audience reaction and Holdo's big moment was great. But I, that just all brought home to me more the fact that she never tells him for no reason. Mm. Like she just seems to, it just seems to be so that she can spite him, which is dumb because obviously if he thinks she's going to risk the lives of everybody 
Like if he if he thinks yeah. she's going to risk the resistance, he's going to try and fight for it. That's his whole personality. Well, I, I, you think that, like, especially a war leader like her who's fallen into the job after, like, everybody else in the chain of command is either dead or injured. Like, you would think that and, – and it's a small resistance. Like, you think that it's not meant to work like the military. There's there's meant to be a, a strong – the the First Order is meant to be that hierarchical, militaristic, nobody knows anything kind of – and that, that's meant to contrast the yes. resistance. Yeah. And with that kind of behaviour, it doesn't. It just makes the resistance like yet another, you know, bureaucracy. Yeah, and, and there's no reason. <laughs> there's no. no reason for it. In the First Order, they have reasons for it. They're dumb, but they they mm. they have reasons for doing those things. Like that's their that's their culture and that's their structure. That's not true of – and they, they're trying to cause fear. Mm. That's not true of the resistance. Exactly. There's no reason for her to do that, and no. it, especially not in a character we're supposed to like. And, in fact, it actively works against being the resistance if you yeah. are not telling and your people. That also reminded me of um, – there's a couple of things that this movie made me think of a lot, which is Harry Potter and Battlestar Galactica, mm. specifically Order of the Phoenix and Battlestar Galactica, because the stuff with not telling Poe reminded me a lot of Dumbledore not telling Harry about yeah. a bunch of stuff that yes. causes Harry to go off and get a lot of people killed because, mm. like, or get serious killed and get a lot of people in trouble because he doesn't know what's going on, but he wants to help, exactly. which is exactly what Poe does in this right. movie and Finn and Rose. It's, yeah, it's basic bad people management. Right, exactly. And Leia knows what to do with Poe. Like, she mm. knows that how to manage him. Yeah, she's basically, when she demotes him, she's only demoting him to, like, pull him up and, like, and say, like a remember puppy that these things have consequences yeah. is really what she's saying. She's saying grabbing the scruff of his neck and going, this is not okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the the thing is, Holdo doesn't know what to do with him. And, mm. and I read this thing Laura Dern was talking about how it's a – management or a, a leadership style we're not used to seeing from women and I was like what a bad one like <laughs> the whole movie I was like when is this going to come into play but it doesn't there's nothing in it that I was like mm. that's not a gender dy- I there were gender dynamics at play but I don't see that one as one of them no no um and it was bad it was bad leadership yeah yeah because nobody knows what's happening so how can she expect anybody to follow her precisely and then in the resistance, you don't follow out of blind loyalty. No, that's, especially to someone you've never met. That's the whole thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you, in these kind of resistance situations, you've got to be like, you've got to really build trust with your people. Yeah. And she doesn't do that. But the whole thing just sort of just didn't fit with the vibe of the way the resistance has worked in previous movies either. Like in previous movies, you see like everyone around a table fighting over what they think they should do next. Like there's actual consensus. Yeah. They, they run a bit more like a socialist collective or whatever because that's what they are. Mm. They're not a bureaucracy. And, yeah, that's really disappointing to see. And it just kind of like, I don't know, I, I, it's because it, there's a really good clear arc for Poe in this movie, right? Mm. But the middle does muddy it too much and the middle still feels to me like you could cut out a huge chunk of the middle and the movie would feel much more balanced. Yeah. Because the fact that I just when the ship when the when she killed the ship and everybody got off, I was like, oh, the movie's gonna end. Mm. Logically, the movie would end there. There's another whole section of this movie, and mm. the thing is, the other whole section is only there for Luke's arc to complete, not any of our current main characters. Mm. N- uh, oh no, Poe's arc completes in that, but it makes more sense to end the movie earlier because it's like 
it mirrors the end of Empire a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And also because you feel like the movie's done. There's a whole, like, there's so much movie before that. Yeah. If you cut out the other part of the middle, then that feels like a middle battle and then the last battle is still to come. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and then you get that sense. good last battle because, I mean, you do get the Luke moment and you get Luke and Leia's moment together and yeah. you get, you know, Luke holding off Kylo no. Ren to save everybody. Like, Speaking that's of all that, really I nice. I knew Luke wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know in what form Luke wasn't there. Like, I thought he was dead. Yeah. Was my theory. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, Jedi are a bit like elves or um, in The Lord of the Rings in that, like, the death thing is, it's not so final. Like, obviously, there's... Elves die and they're dead. Yeah, but they go into the big ship and they cross the whatever. Yeah. But, well. but And that, to me, it feels like what happens with... was what, clearly what happened with Yoda. Like, Yoda can, you know, like, he's still... his molecules still exist in the world even if his earthly body is dead and that's a bit like how it is i think with luke but that was a good scene the yoda luke scene was really yeah, good that was really good um, yoda but, just coming back to troll him <laughs> but it was not it, it was it still allowed that nice moment though like it, you sort of knew that luke hadn't actually hopped aboard the falcon and, and decided to come with with ray but or gotten his x-wing out of the water which was what i yeah which i was like the other- oh the, the ship's still there so he can still leave yeah yeah yeah, you you kind of knew that, but it still allowed that nice moment with Leia as well before he mm. did go out and hold off Kylo. And it, it's also that the sort of allowing the audience a moment that makes up for the Han Solo moment in Force Awakens where you see Kylo try to kill him and he can't. What? Like it allows a catharsis for the audience who've seen him kill, his own, kill Han Solo when he tries to take on Luke Skywalker, he's unable to do that. Oh, the, Kylo the, way Ren. You fr- Sorry. Fr- the way that you framed that seemed like Kylo Ren tried to kill Han Solo and couldn't. I was like, you no, know no. he died, right? No, no. Sorry. It's like the mirror of that moment. Mm. But he doesn't succeed. In this case, you know, we've learned something from that moment. Well, Luke has learned from his previous experiences as well. Yeah. Um. I also like that Luke, there's no sacrifice play in this movie. Mm. They they just Other go, don't Derns. do that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Laura Dern gets her. And Paige actually gets hers. Really likes killing women. Yeah. But the thing is, it they also put women in all of the new leadership or, like, whatever positions. And this is something I did really like. Right from the outset, there are women in high positions in the First Order. There are women in high positions in the Resistance. All of the people in high positions in the Resistance in were, women. were women. Yeah, um, I was I was almost shocked. Except for Akbar, who dies very yeah, oh, yeah. Poor Akbar. Well, he does die, but... <laughs> Legacy the... character who dies in a really kind of abrupt way. Yeah, he does. And that was, like, the actor died as well. Like, he died before The Force Awakens or before Rogue One came out. Uh, and so I get why they wanted to kill him off, but I would have thought they might have given him a bit more of a... bit more of a death. Yeah. Then help no. him... Ha- have him help Leia. Yeah, and then die that way or something. Herself die and then she saves herself. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And they just kind of didn't... <laughs> No. But, yeah, I did really appreciate that it was all women at the top of the resistance. It actually gives it a different feeling as well. Mm. But there was that woman from the Vivitch who was right at the beginning of the – and from um, Game of Thrones. Oh, the English actress in, yeah. Um, yeah, on the, on the, uh, for, in the First Order High Command. Yeah. Yeah. So there was lots of like – and there were lots of like women henchmen – Mm. for bad guys and yeah. women like just uh, you know around which yeah. is really good they also I th- it seemed like they were trying to make have each scene have a woman in it like really yeah, hard. yeah they also in the resistance side beefed up billy lord's role a lot oh, yeah. like she had a lot more to say and do yeah 
Yeah, I think like they just sort least- of made her the main like resistance, like non-main character resistance person who has lines. Which that was yes. if they needed a non-main resistance person to have lines or to be on pose side, it was her. That was I her job. feel like a lot of that was to do with she probably was around for filming after Carrie Fisher died, um, mm. and so like a lot of her lines are when they're not on screen together. Her I, and Carrie I Fisher. Thought- it was all the filming was complete before Carrie Fisher died, though. Like um, they'd done all probably. the reshoots and stuff by I that don't know, point. Maybe, um, um, but you—that actually might be a point. But there is actually a scene where it's—I'm pretty sure it's Carrie in the scene, but she's got basically she, her big collar is going past her face, mm-hmm. and you actually can't tell for a moment whether it is Billy or Carrie because the eyes look the same. I think um, also there's some scenes where they just had footage of her and they looped dialogue in mm. that was Which, not the yeah. same as what was happening in the scene. But, yeah, uh, the coming back to a point I made really early, there's a lot of people in the first movie who aren't in this for no apparent reason that I could see. Well, that's um, what I was saying about Billy Lord. Like there were other people on the in the resistance that yeah. had lines in the first movie that just have disappeared. Um, Greg Grunberg's character, Snap Wexley, not in this movie. Yep. Um, Jessica Henwick's character. Yep. The other pilot, um, yeah. Um, Parva is not in this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, Miles from Lost, Admiral Statura in Star oh, yeah. Wars, was um, not in this movie for no reason. And I was mm. like, why aren't they here? Like, we didn't see them die. They're big enough that fans will definitely remember notice. them yeah. and notice that they're not here. I think Elo Asti from the last movie seemed to be in this one, which was mm. a, an in-joke because J.J. Abrams likes the Beastie Boys. <laughs> like, right. why would you not have like Snap and Pava and all those guys. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, those little fan favourites. I Fish very, guy's still around, never it, getting lines. It do, It feels like, I mean, obviously, you know, each movie in the first trilogy is made by different people as well, but it doesn't feel like it, a cohesive sort of piece. Like yeah. it feels like it was very much made separately from The Force Awakens. Yeah, I'm kind of glad J.J. Abrams is coming back for the third one. I know that he's a lot of people don't like him. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. He's just yes. he has such clarity of vision. He has such good pacing, all of that sort of stuff. I know that people, you know, he reuses ideas, but I just don't care because yeah. he makes them fresh and new again. It makes you mm. care so much, you yeah, know. Like, and it was hard to care a lot of the time in this. Like Ryan Johnson is by all accounts an utterly lovely person, which is rare in among directors, which mm. is a, I think is a good thing to have in in this universe, but he isn't as strong as a filmmaker as J.J. Abrams well, and his I, stuff is is he is different. Yeah, he is different. I think he's got a lot of ideas and there's a lot of ideas in this, mm. but they're not cohesively put forward. Like there's stuff about warmongering and selling weapons to both sides. And Benicio Del Toro's character was so bad. <laughs> he was unintelligible and pointless. And I didn't – I mean, he's not – interesting or likable at all <laughs> and they never confirmed that he was the real code breaker that mars was talking about even though no, i was the sure they were going to do the, that the, um justin Theroux is credited as the code breaker right, so he is the real guy in the so what credits. was the point of having mars there then like th- that's the thing with all, all these uh, twists and turns is that you take away the purpose of things and they obviously wanted to have to make sure that lupita nyong got to be in the film mm. but then she gets to be in the film for one scene as a hologram yeah it well, to be fair, Andy Serkis was in the first film as a hologram and still managed to make an impression. Yeah, yeah, and he gets to, and, and that's true. Um, and he, he that CG on him looked bad. Well, right, like also, bad. The CG that basically they've used the same CG on him as they use on Mars. Like the eyes are the same, the face looks the same. They, they're, maybe they're the same race. Maybe, but it, it didn't look interesting or original or even particularly scary. 
No, but it, you know, it didn't, and it also didn't look. I think he was used to be human, and he's just been scarred or something. Mm. But he also like there was no reason to have him see have them CG his body. I didn't think uh. it made him a bit taller, but yeah. like it just looked unnatural, and not in a like oh he's an alien way, in a like oh that's clearly CG way yeah. to me. I was like, why? Why do that? Why not just put an actor in some makeup? Right. Like it just it looks bad. And I didn't like that CG. I didn't like the CG in a couple of places, actually. Mm. And and that comes down to, again, it just, it just doesn't look as good. No. Um, there are some good-looking, like, stills, definitely some of the stills they released before the movie came out. Like, the, I, I, the con- you can understand why they did the conceit of that salt planet where – Oh, like, once that you- looks amazing. Yeah. All I could think of, though, was what could J.J. Abrams do with this? Yeah. Like, he could make that look amazing. Yeah, because it looks really amazing at the start, but by the end, it's sort of like when it's meant to look all bloody and stuff, it's meant to look like a bloody mess. You kind of, I don't think they kind of take you through the journey quite as well as they could have. Yeah, and that's all like it is, you know, the stills, the very brief shots, like of the ships coming down with their things that pull up the, the sand, skis, yeah, the the salt. There's a, a high shot of that that looks good. There's a high mm. shot of Kylo Ren walking into the destroyed through the destroyed door that looks good there's mm. like but it's all like a brief yeah, shot will um, look good Luke but then once in the it- doorway of the jedi sort of library where he finds ray mm. those like single shots do look quite good but yeah but when they play out it's not as nice it's not as and that contrast was turned up too high <laughs> yeah uh, that's that's what um jelly my husband said to me uh, uh, we were waiting for you waiting to leave the cinema and he was like man that cinematographer's into high contrast yeah it just didn't it didn't look star wars and it didn't look no, good to me it didn't and like in the I, th- I talked about this when we reviewed force awakens adam driver has like the best face in the business right and he in force awakens is used to particularly good effect and is shot really well and they kind of try and do that here and they've also got he's got like interesting scars and things now but it just doesn't quite carry it off in the same way it's just not quite as well it, the the kylo stuff just doesn't he doesn't isn't quite shot in as nice a way i would have preferred it if they'd kept the scar with all the black stuff in it but uh <laughs> that looked really cool it did but he's so um into his looks so mm. but yeah he his performance was really good in mm. this i'm not into the idea of him and ray uh, i don't know the redemption thing i get yeah but it plays kind of weirdly romantic in this. Well, and this is, yeah, I kept thinking, you're like, no, the Raylo, this is just going to give the Raylo shippers a whole lot of material. And I like the idea that there's a connection between the two of them, mm. but I don't, I know that the temptation will be to play that into a romance. And they certainly see, played it that way. There's shots where they're just too, like, too close together and stuff in certain shots. And it, oh, especially felt the awkward. I don't see you as nobody. Bit after yeah. he totally negged her then too. He's like, "Oh, everybody else sees you as nobody, but I don't." I'm like, "That's just negging." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but that fits with his alt-right whiny crybaby. Oh yeah, um, no personality, he, absolutely. And you know, he's God. He's awful. Um, yeah, he's just so frustrating. Such a such a baby. Mm-hmm. Like every five minutes, he's throwing a tantrum about something, and he's the, now the basically the leader of everything. Yeah, yeah, he's just annoying. Um, but yeah, I did think I, when that scene was playing out, I was like, "Oh, he's going to kill Snoke and take over from Snoke." Like that was my yeah sort of instinct. To yeah, he's not doing it to protect Ray; he's doing it to yeah. yeah for himself. I think that part of him did want Ray to be, you mm. know, 
on his side and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no. And well, and I do kind of like the idea that he was going for something where he was like, oh, don't think about good or bad, which is also very much like Voldemort in the first Well, Harry yeah, he's, he's basically... There is no good or bad, just right, come with me. Right, he's kind of rule. anarchist, right? And he's just like, well, we shouldn't be fighting against each other. It's just, there's just the world and some of us have this power and some of us don't and those of us who do you should stick together and it was just it was it's it's very anarchist or like chaotic way of viewing the world mm. but it's also i mean it is kind of the thesis of this movie if you try to pass it down is the not necessarily the old people but the old ways of doing things are not always the best mm. which i think might be what they were going for with holdo but you're like but that's not the way of doing things in the resistance anyway yeah and also yeah that just which is, I think it's definitely an interesting message because the one thing that the um, the Finn and Rose bit on the Monaco planet shows is it reminded me of both the Hunger Games and the, the Man Who Invented Christmas that we watched a couple of weeks ago because it's very kind of Dickensian worldview, mm. but it's classism. Yeah, it's, but it's a lot about class, but it's very appropriate for the current era where yeah. there are a very few amount of people with a very large amount of money and a large number of people with very little and i, I thought it that also was makes no sense for finn to be like oh this is all great i don't know he there's just not, felt well, like no- a tool to be used for different yeah. whereas like rose that makes sense rose has grown up on a mining planet rose knows what it's like to be really poor and the bottom of the bottom on this planet on the, in this but universe finn knows what it's like to be the bottom of the bottom too because yeah. all he's ever done is like been Sweep forced to be a stormtrooper and clean a ship like maybe mm. you could see him being excited to be somewhere where lots of rich people are but yeah it just he's it's not like he i don't know like he knows what it's like to be under those people too right but it, it i it's not about show it's showing the audience as well it's about I giving know the audience that, but that i moment. just don't it's not for me everything should come from the characters and they don't seem to know who finn is they really don't because also and like he's running away at the beginning of the movie and then at the end of the movie he's about to sacrifice himself to take out this battering ram and i'm like how do we get from there to here he's What's ru- no the he's running away there? Thought he's he was running, running away, away to do something. Though. He is. He's running away so that um to to try and find Ray. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean he's not leaving everybody else to die. No, no. Including the only other friend he has. Yeah. <laughs> like that felt. I mean, that's a betrayal for, of one friend for another. That's a weird thing, mm-hmm. right? Like that. But he does that so that they can establish this relationship with Rose. Mm-hmm. And yet, he is somebody who runs away. Yes. We know that. He is somebody who wants to survive, which is why at the end of the movie, him trying to sacrifice himself into the battering ram doesn't make sense. no sense. Especially since we don't see any pathway to there from where he started. No. Like, it's not – I mean, Finn's sort of main characterization is that he doesn't like murder. (laughs) Like, he doesn't like the First Order just killing people and he's willing to stand up to that. And he wants to survive. I also genuinely thought Poe was going to save him because mm. I, I guess I was holding on to that right till the end. Well, that may – I mean, I get that Rose – like, Rose can have that moment and that's fine. I, the f***ing romance thing they added in, though, was just so But stupid. also Poe just kind of runs away and then goes inside instead of saving him. Yeah, and you're like, that's not the Poe we know. No. People were saying this is so character-driven and I'm like, really? It just seems like he just wants to get through ideas. And well, yeah, they kind of had to move – in fact, I felt like they moved the characters around to serve – their plot yeah at the beginning of the movie finn just wakes up from the coma and it's played for laughs Mm. from after the main cliffhanger of the movie before was like he's in a coma when han solo gets frozen in carbonite him being saved 
is a big deal. Yeah. When Finn gets put into a coma, the next movie he just wakes up and they play yeah. it off for laughs in the middle of an action scene. Not only is it a big deal for Han Solo, it's a big deal for Leia and Luke. They have to work together. Yeah. Leia has to step up as the leader of their resistance and she step up as a friend and save him, right? And she oh, well, has to work with Luke to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, they work together and they hatch a plan mm. and they go undercover and it's all adventures and fun and exciting and awesome, right. but also very emotional because so they do it all to the save ca- their friends. Right, and so it lets the characters, those characters have a moment and also it so- solidifies the friendship between the central trio. Yeah, this, that's something they really need to do in the third movie if they're going to make this right. work because this movie doesn't do that at all. No, um, it, it keeps them further apart and has no – there's no, like, moments of – anything really when when finn and poe reunite in the force awakens that's such a big kind of emotional moment Mm. they've barely known each other but they have this big connection right in this movie finn comes back and poe goes where's my droid you're like what What? (laughs) i mean i love the relationship between poe and bb8 and that was so cute when he was like bumping heads with bb8 that was adorable don't get me wrong but, like, wouldn't he also be excited to see his friend, who he was so excited to see in the last movie after one scene together? Nah. What? Like, what is going on with this? The more I talk about it, the less I like it. I know. I came out of it last night going, yeah, sure, that was fun. And now I'm like, oh, boy, what have you done? I I, I like all the ideas. I, I, <laughs> I know they're all kind of fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. It just feels like unfocused first draft fan fiction that like somebody's putting out a week at a time and they didn't fully like edit all of their ideas down. They're like, <laughs> how can we show that Rose is this? Oh, I know. Let's do this planet and then we can tie it into the plot with this, but it doesn't actually tie into the plot at all. No. Like their idea was really cool to, you know, sneak into the ship and help the guys get away, but it's, it proves uh, pointless because Holdo won't just tell people what she's doing. Yeah. Like, they have this great idea for how to help, but she doesn't – and then they don't tell her that because she won't listen to them and she won't tell anybody anything. Yeah, and so – So, I mean, yeah, it's so dumb. It's so frustrating and dumb. Like, just there's no communication. There's no reason for these things to happen, and there's no reason to have a huge – chunk of this movie in it yeah it's not there's no point to that plot wise they don't do anything except help the bad guys a bit Mm. and help also kill a bunch of people in the resistance by accident because then they wouldn't have known about the guys in the resistance going to the planet if benicio del toro hadn't told them benicio del toro overheard poe saying it to finn yeah like i don't even know what benicio del toro's character's name is no and i don't really care but yeah that's all so pointless Mm. and also means that you've got almost no resistance left at the end Mm. for no reason no there's a lot of unnecessary deaths in the particularly in the resistance like i mean you could just think all those deaths come down to holdo so all the ships that just blow up like and and like we said about um, when we're talking about akbar before it's just thrown away like oh yes all of the leadership is dead except Leia, including Akbar, like just a throwaway. Mm. There's so many throwaway deaths in the Resistance. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah, but why? Yeah. <laughs> like the beginning. Resistance deaths, we're on the, supposed to be on the side of the Resistance being the audience. Resistance deaths should affect us a lot more than they do. They shouldn't be thrown away like well, that. Well, I mean, the first movie did also have them blowing up whole, a whole planets. planet. Yeah. Not one, several planets, like just blowing them up with mm. no connection to them whatsoever. 
which I think is a problem with the first Sorry, one. But this one does exactly said, the same thing. When you said the first movie, do you mean oh, Force Awakens? Yeah, okay. Because I was like, yes, trilogy. they blow up Alderaan. Oh, yeah, but Alderaan. I, but Alderaan is very much felt because that's where Leia yeah, is yeah. from and that's her home planet. Right. Whereas, she feels the loss of that. Yeah, whereas Force Awakens, they just like blow up this planet of people we've never met. No, like six planets. Mm. Like just for no reason. Not for no reason, to show the might of the Empire. But it's it's too much to stru- And But I felt the same way about this one. Although in the beginning of the movie, that all feels very pointed like all the pilots it is poe who makes that decision but yeah. all the pilots are like gung-ho yeah let's do this yeah yeah the one bit with the bombers that feels that okay that's felt yeah right that you know what's and going you get on. this big moment with Paige, so that you really feel it yeah even though we don't know her at all because you know that that yeah that felt like the deaths at the end of rogue one too yeah and rogue one was all about celebrating that yeah. exact thing the sacrifice of all of these people to get just a little bit of hope out. Yeah. The sacrifice of all of these people to destroy this ship is something that in this movie they kind of go, well, is that good or not? And they never really come back to. No. <laughs> except that Poe learns not to lead people into self-sacrifice again. He does, but then also he learns or, or the resistance learns that whatever you do, there's gonna, that you're going to lead, people are going to die. This is not a win-win situation. No. The moment when he repeats Holdo's line, that we are the spark that'll light the um, fire of the resistance or whatever. Mm. The way that he delivers it is just so much more powerful and more like, yeah. oh, just the way that he said it. And Finn gets to make speeches and yeah, stuff. I, I do. I, the, oh, speaking of like lines that I think were good, um, it's undermined by what happens after. But Rose, before she collapses after she saved Finn, <laughs> so has the line that. about um, we won't win by destroying what we hate. We'll win by protecting what we love yeah which i think is really nice and if they Me too. made that metaphorical about she loved the resistance and she loved or even freedom, that she loved finn as a buddy yeah and <laughs> like, and she wanted she loved her friends that would have been fine but then they undermined it with a stupid kiss with no chemistry yeah i mean i really like rose as a character mm. but i'm kind of wondering if <laughs> so mean i don't like it but I, the movie would be better without her right it, I like they. It's like they just wanted to add a new character in. Well, it's like and they, they just, had to work her fit her in. It's like they just wanted to add a straight romance for Finn in. Because mm. really, Poe could have gone off and done that stuff mm-hmm. with Finn. Yes, really, that that would and have that, made a lot more sense and would have let us build the relationship and the, <laughs> yeah. The and friendship. then he, at the end of the movie, is like, "No, don't sacrifice yourselves." Comes in and saves Finn, and could have even had the line about saving, protecting the things, saving the things we love, and, and he that would be part of his arc. Yeah, it's not part of Rose's arc, yeah. right? Oh, it kind of is, but like she's just the whole thing could have happened completely without her. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, and I want more representation and I want this character and I I like the character. Yeah, but there are other things they could have used her for. She could have – she and Billy Lord could have been doing something back at the base. Mm. Um, she could have been involved. They could, have, they could, more, have, they could have been more the people detail. they were contacting back at the base she, while yeah, they went off on so the adventure. they could adventure. have gotten into more detail about her um, mechanic skills. Like there could have been some kind of plot about – something needed repairing on the ship and she had to do it and, like, she and Billy Lord and Laura Dern were trying to make that happen, you know, like. I also feel like I'm. this is kind of the whole, you know, avoiding interracial romance. But uh, then again, Finn and Poe would be too. It's interracial Um, romance. um, No, 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 like by saying that Rose is pointless in this movie. But the thing is, plot-wise, she is. Right. 
plot way she is. She's just not. And Benicio del Toro as well. There's no reason mm. to have him in this plot. It's just to keep Finn and Rose busy until they can mm. do all this. Like, there's no reason that they have to go and find this code breaker. No, they it, could that's... have just figured it out themselves or just asked Mars and she'd be like, yes, this is how you do it. Yeah. Or I'll send you technology or some other way. Yeah. There's no, there's no point to it. Mm. It's not purposeful. It's not. And also, all of that doesn't make any difference in the end because the whole plan in the end was of Holdo's was great. They should have just stuck with that, but she wouldn't tell anybody yeah, about it. If they'd had a scene that they have in Empire and they have in Force Awakens where everybody stands around the table and they talk through what they're thinking about doing, like that scene in The Force Awakens that's got uh, Snap Wexley and yeah. Poe and Leia and when they plan. And Akbar, everyone stands around the table, and they so and the soldier, the yeah, the frontline soldiers and the generals talk to each other about what might work, what should, won't work, and how how what the best strategy is for the resistance. And that that is what I was saying about you know the the socialist collective idea. The resistance is a, is not about the military. The resistance is about freedom, and part of that freedom is in the way that they run, and part of the way they run is that they have that sort of consensus. Leia is technically a general and she was te- she's and been technically running the resistance for 35 years but it's never just about her and her unilateral decisions that they get passed down the chain like a military it's always about what's best and taking input from others yeah don't do it here taking input from others is a really important part of the and the thing is so Lauren's saying we don't see this kind of leadership from women but the thing is the resistance is a woman-led organization it has been since empire or before, and part of the reason that we are so into the resistance is because it's actually a specifically feminine type of leadership about building consensus. Mm-hmm. Like Leia's, particularly in the later movies, Leia's got that sort of maternal personality as well there, with the, with the particularly with Poe, that's quite a maternal sort of relationship there. But it's also she doesn't lead this organisation the way a general would, the way a, a male general would. The way Hux tries to, or, or the way Snoke you're does. used to them doing it, and and it's yeah, it's a different than, style of leadership, think, and it's better because like it actually makes sense in the context of this is a resistance, this is not another army. Mm. I don't, I don't like attributing things to like I don't know. I think you're not used to male leaders. No, doing but it's that, it's but a more can. but it's a more uh, traditionally feminine style. The consensus yeah. building stuff is a more and, is coded feminine, yeah, in, generally. Poe um, is also kind of her substitute kid in this, which makes sense. But also that there's definitely an element of that space opera missing when none of the current group are related to the Skywalkers at all and there's no, yeah. like, family ties. And then they also don't tie them together properly as friends or anything. So it's not – I feel like a lot of that's missing. Yeah, like, so you don't missing. have this scrappy band of outcasts yeah exactly but they're trying to do that by the end of the movie she's like we have everything we need right here but then the group Mm. shot is everybody talking to people that don't have lines in the movie like off on their own in their own little groups and you're like oh swell i don't know it feel like they were really trying to push finn and poe apart Mm. rather than bringing this those three characters together yeah i don't know it just felt like i don't know video game or some other yeah. like, extended universe thing of Star Wars. Definitely got a, a fan fiction-y feeling about it. Like the whole raise parents thing. 
you, and they do do build that up, of course, because of course that was the big question out of the first one. Oh yeah, she's definitely Luke Skywalker's daughter, and blah blah blah. Well, because it doesn't make sense for her to be the daughter of nobody. Because, no, because, and then they and they're like, oh no, that your parents are nobodies. I'm like, I don't believe that. But also, but I mean, I think that's what the films are going for. But like, it's not built up properly, like to yeah. be a heroic moment for her. Like at the end of the movie, I think they're drawing the parallel with that little. By the way, the only white boy being like a Jedi, right? Yeah, yeah. He has the force, and he's like and stuck like, sweeping like floors. Everybody can have the force, like the end mm. of Buffy. Yeah, <laughs> when everybody can who can stand up will stand up, and all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But like they haven't built that up properly for her. No, I don't think. I don't think they've. That, and that's the thing. There's like all these ideas. There's too many ideas. There's ideas of Luke Skywalker, the legend, and um, he had a moment of weakness that destroyed everything. And so then it's like about legends and legacies and how the legacy kind of turned out bad because mm. Kylo Ren is bad, right? Like, but that's not fully played out. No, Ray being the son, the daughter of nobodies, is not fully played out. Like, mm. all of these things need to be set up better. And it's because it's so unfocused and there's so much going on. Yeah. The, I mean, yeah, I think that the, the strongest storyline in this is Luke's. Yes. He has a great storyline, but it just doesn't quite come together. No. They should have focused more on the characters and bringing the characters together. And like, Also, I noticed in this movie that it did a thing that I notoriously hate, which is that it cuts away just before the big emotional uh, moments, big emotional yeah. reunions, big like – even just when they save Leia, it cuts from Leia being outside the door. And maybe they didn't think of how they were going to do it because there's a vacuum out there. Yeah, yeah. But it cuts from Leia being out th- outside the door to her being on a stretcher with none of the, like, big, scary, exciting, you know, dramatic moment in the middle. The reunions were sort of cut short or not or, or just, pulled out from yeah. under you. Except for the Finn and Ray one, which was, like, swelling music and big hugs and everything. Mm. There's not a lot of... All the other reunions aren't played out. Well, Finn and Poe is, is played for comedy because yeah. he's, he's leaking Ugh, I hate everywhere. That. Yeah. I really hate that. That shouldn't be played for comedy. And, like, they do play that Finn and Poe friendship as co- – like, they, they had way more respect for the Han and Luke friendship. Yeah. Like, the Han and Luke at the beginning of Empire, Luke goes out in the cold and, and Han goes and saves him, mm. even though they tell him that if he goes out now, it's suicide and he slices open the tauntaun and puts yeah, Luke yeah. in. And it's such a bond building moment. And then they build between Han and Luke later. And yeah, I mean, not Han and Luke, Han and Leia later and all that stuff. It's, it's all emotional bonds being built. And, mm. you know, that's not here. No, that's what this should have focused on is like, I fine, have lots of cool ideas, but do yeah. it through the characters and bringing them together and tying those bonds together so that we care yeah, and so that we feel all of that. Yeah, and if you're going to do a romance, do what Empire did and have the really cute, like, screwball comedy <laughs> romance thing that goes on Well, that. I mean, there are a lot of consent problems with that. But, yeah. Um, no, but, like, that's you, can, fi- of the you times. can fix that. Yes, you can fix that. Like, and also they the, had so much chemistry, Harrison yeah. Ford and, and, and Carrie Fisher. And none of the, none, none of the mm. like, male, Oscar female. Isaac has chemistry with everybody and they, they pull him out of romance entirely. Right, but he has the most chemistry with Finn. He does, but he also has – I mean, I think he has chemistry with Laura Dern. Yes. Like, oh, he has chemistry. Yeah, yeah. They have, like, chemistry. He has chemistry with BB-8. He has chemistry with anybody he shares a scene with because Oscar Isaac is fantastic. Like, he just – I mean, even in the moment when he meets Ray, there's more chemistry there than, like, than there ever was with Finn and Rose. And mm. that's a two-second scene. Yeah. Also, at the end of the second movie, he they finally meet, which is telling you something. Yeah. But, yeah, he has, like – he has chemistry with chairs. 
He's amazing. He's got that Harrison Ford level of charisma. Oh, and yeah. And they should have exploited it the way they did with Harrison Ford. They, Yeah, they should have. I'm, I'm, I like... I mean, if they were going to go for not having any romantic leads, then don't have any romance in it, yeah. you know, with anybody. Don't just – why? Just why tack do it on? a love, in, love triangle with Finn and Rose and Ray? Why? It's, it, it undermines the wonderful rapport that Ray and Finn built through that first movie. Well, through see, stealing the their I think this falcon mo- together and everything. I think this movie was definitely pushing for Finn and Ray from the beginning when the first thing that Finn says when he wakes up is, where's Ray? Yeah, yeah. And from then on, he wants to run away to Ray. He wants, like, he wants to go and see Ray, 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 Ray. And yeah. I'm like, that's great. I'm glad that they're really good friends. <laughs> Very yeah. determinately. Like, this is not, you know, this is not happening in my, my Star Wars world, damn it. No. I don't want that. F- I don't want that for Ray either. No, I don't either. Like, it's just icky that, like, he's so kind of clinging to her. Yeah, and one of the nice things about the way the Luke Skywalker story has played out in the movies, I know it's different in the books, but in the movies is that Luke has to be solitary. The whole yeah. way through his story, he fights his battles on his own. His sister is also force sensitive, but not in the same not as um not in the same way he is. And so for her, a romance actually makes sense. The building of a family is really important to her because she's lost her family. Mm. But for Luke, who has, you know, also lost his family, but Luke, it's a, a cho- he, as the chosen one is a lonely road to walk and ending up alone is, makes sense for him. And Ray's the chosen one here and it's her, she has to walk a solitary path. It's, it's this weird thing too where she's like, yeah, he's kind of, Finn is kind of like, they're putting this on Finn, who should be this. The, the thing about Finn, I think, that they wasted in this is the defector angle, the fact that he is somebody. Like, they, they didn't play that up. And it's icky that it's, like, he's so obsessed with Ray. Mm. And Ray and Finn, again, like, I, I really want for Finn to have better moments, mm. to have better heroic kind of moments where, like, this – big thing that he did is acknowledged and the trauma that he was put trauma that anybody was put through being acknowledged would be good because there's a lot of it and the only people who really get acknowledged are kylo ren that head um um rose yeah because she's new and they're trying to build sympathy and you're like but poe was tortured by the first order last movie finn has been like brainwashed by them his whole life and there's no kind of recognition of that and ray has grown up basically raising herself on this yeah, desolate exactly. planet at the end of the earth, stuck under the guardianship of someone who is abusive and clearly she's been left by parents who are also abusive. Yeah. And none of that. And I love that she's so determined and I love that she's so like, although, I mean, she just does whatever she wants and to have the consequences, but I like that she's so determined oh, and the bit, not um, self-doubting at all. The bit where she um, – the bit where she has to convince Luke to train her, mm. I love that stuff. Yeah. Da- of Daisy Ridley following Mark Hamill around this desolate island, following him everywhere, and and like being like, "Can we try start training now? Train me as a Jedi. Train me as a Jedi. Train me yeah. as a Jedi. Jedi, Luke, 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 yeah. Luke, Luke. I want to be a Jedi. Luke, Luke, Luke. That's like my favorite part of the whole movie. Me too. And that that we've said that that that's the strongest part. And Luke, kind of, Mark Hamill is hammy. He always is, but it 
he's so like it's really good in this. Those two are really good together though. Like he's being all dramatic and she's like, I've seen your daily routine, you're not busy. Well, but he's not only being dramatic, he also trolls her a bit, like when she when he says the reach out bit. That was a good moment, right? Like that was a cute character moment, and he's obviously learned from Yoda a bit. Um (laughs) and his scene with Yoda's so good. Um and then the scene where he faces off against Kylo Ren is really good. That works really well. Like when he's fighting Kylo Ren, that's a great because, scene. But Mark Hamill realizes he's in a space opera, and he's yes. bringing his the operatic level of performance to it. Mm. He understands that this is these are big sweeping tropes, and it's his job to be the symbol of that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've seen some stuff that says that say that they destroyed Luke's character in this. I think he's well. I mean, because he. Thinks about killing Kylo Ren for a second and then they kill him off at the end, I think. That's perfect. Yes. Because Luke has those moments in the original trilogy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Where he, with Vader, actually. So, of course he has those moments. And he, he, as an old man, he's the Lukiest Luke (laughs) he can be. Like, but, and I also like that he's not like full of wisdom or like, no. You know, full of knowledge now that he's old or whatever. He's that not he's still Obi-Wan questioning. Kenobi. He's still learning. Yeah. He's still, you know, failing sometimes and then stand, like he's taught by this young person that he can come back and stand up again and all that. I mean, I like that. That's great. Yeah. Story for him. And he, I mean, his death is really meaningful in this movie. Yeah. And it's really good. Yeah. Um, just like Hans was in the last one. I mean, in a different way, but yeah. like that, those are, you know, yeah, I, it's a, um, all the Han and Luke have really earned their deaths, and it makes me really sad that they're not going to be able to do the same for Carrie Fisher in the third movie. I don't know what they're going to do with I, that. I'm That's really, really confused as to what they're going to do because they've said that they're not going to uncanny valley her. But I, I, don't I hope know. not. Um, but yeah, it's, it's there's something sad and ironic in the fact that the only surviving, surviving. <laughs> member of the characters is the only uh, the only one who died. Yeah, and well, presumably the original plan was something like you know, Han have a heroic death in the first one and, and Luke in the second and then Leia in the third. But mm. I, I don't see how that can happen anymore. I'm looking through my notes. I think I've written my baby like 50 times about Poe. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, um, but we've kind of talked for a while, so we can probably uh, – I just want to see in my notes whether there's anything – Yeah. Yeah, the Battlestar Galactica – I don't think I talked about the Battlestar Galactica stuff, you but too. like – no, but I don't think I – did the comparison where like oh. Holdo becomes the leader mm. after everybody else is out of command, very much like um, Roslyn. They're, they're escaping like burning fuel just trying to get away is very Battlestar-esque. Yeah. And the good guys and bad guys stuff and things felt very Battlestar to me. Mm. It felt like somebody had been watching that. Or, and always trying to find a place to call home. Yeah. But yeah, oh, the person who's having the most fun in this movie – in these movies, I swear, is Donald Gle- is Donald Gleason. Yeah. He is like <laughs> every scene. He is just like I just laugh when I see him because I'm like he just seems like he's having the best time ever. Mm. Like he is so overacting and so kind of snotty oh, and the, amazing. The, the bit where Poe they put Poe through on the comms to him and he's like delivering this lecture and Poe's like, "Hi, I'm holding." <laughs> Yes, that was so good. I swear the opening scene was the best part of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like that, I was just like so excited. I was like holding my hands up to my face the whole time. (laughs) And then it just kind of, and then the Finn and Poe reunion didn't work properly. I was like, oh no. And then after that, I was like, oh Oh, no. no. (laughs) When they replay the moment of Leia, like it's such an emotional moment, you know, the original hologram of Leia saying, help me. All I could think of was that tweet that she put out 
that um the way she was like help me obi-wan or whoever the fuck you are you're my only hope (laughs) (laughs) thanks carrie The Harry Potter thing as well, Harry, there's a, the layer, I mean, the, um, Kylo Ren and Ray relationship reminded me a lot of Harry and Voldemort in yeah, Order yeah, of the yeah. Phoenix, yep. as well as the not telling people things and stuff. Like there was a lot of Order in, of the Phoenix. There was a I lot, felt yeah, there this. was a lot like two, holding opposite colored wands out towards right? each other. And then and, they yeah. split it, at, yeah. like, which felt very much like the, you know, the two ones thing. Yeah. That, I thought that, about that too. Yeah. There was a lot. And like, but also, yeah, the connection between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and being able to see what the other one was doing and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, um, it's kind of like the kids acting out because the adults aren't, don't trust them. Yeah. Which yeah. in Harry Potter, there's a reason they're kids. They're actually kids. And the, these are not kids. Where, whereas yeah. in this, like Oscar Isaac's like 38. Mm. <laughs> He's not a child. They're treating him like one. And Kylo Ren is our age. Yeah. And he, uh, and sorry, but, uh, Adam Driver. And it, it, they're treating him. Yeah. Like he Snoke's, a kid. It Snoke's like, Oh, you're just a kid. And you're like, is? No, he, he's the same age as the trio in the original. He's 33. Like, well, he's the same age as, as Han Solo in the original. Like, yeah, he's yeah. not a child. No. And they are treating them like kids. Like, because mm. you, you understand why Dumbledore keeps things from Harry. He's, he's 15. Yeah, exactly. You don't understand why Holdo is keeping things from Poe. Doesn't yeah. make sense. No, it doesn't. Oh, yeah. I thought, saw the, um, the bit where Rose and Finn ride the animals as Rose putting her <sighs> fist through the town. Yeah, yeah. But, Oh, that was so prequel. That was the prequeliest bit. Yeah, yeah, like, no, ew, you, ew, ew, ew. yeah, no, it was. BB-8 imitating the Empire droid song is everything. BB-8 was like the most heroic character in this movie. Yes. Without him, everything would fall apart. He oh. completely saves the day yep. several times. Multiple times. Like he is the the most heroic best character yep. in this movie, which is saying something. Yep. I wrote communication with exclamation points like six times. <laughs> I wanted a Poe hug. Hmm, that's a surprise. Oh, the last one I wanted to say is, oh, that like Skywalker drama capes. <laughs> this is one of my notes. Um, that's yeah, not way, related to it. But no, but Kylo Ren does like fling off his cape but before it's, he it's fights that Luke. Luke does that yeah, um, in one of the, oh no, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan Kenobi um, in mm. the prequels does his like drama cape drop and they're always wearing drama capes. And but, and, and Luke is wearing one and the first time like Kylo shoots all the uh, all the guns at him luke like we could pretend to luke he's like brushing the shoulders of his cape yeah yeah um no the last thing i wanted to say is there's a moment when between luke and leia that they i mean they obviously shot before carrie fisher died yeah when luke says no one's ever really gone and that's so affecting because it's like it's carrie fisher Mm -hmm. um and she did die but like that's such a big moment and there's clearly the ghost of han yeah. figuratively hovering over them because he's not a Jedi. So. Yeah. But yeah, that was very affecting to me. I was like, wow. Yeah. There's stuff with um, Leia and stuff in this. I mean, just, it definitely had its moments, but I was disappointed. Yeah, I think so too. Do you know what you want to rate it? I'll give it three stars. Yeah, I'm going to go with three and a half, but I feel like that's being a little bit generous. <laughs> but also compared to what I've read in some other things lately, I think three and a half is okay because it is is fun as an experience. It's only when you start picking at it. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean, everybody's going to pick at it at Star yeah. Wars. And it's also like, it's my least favorite of the three that have just come out. And I was kind of disappointed by Rogue One. But right. at least Rogue One had like great characters and moments. Oh, and, yeah. And, and the with the Force and the Force is with me. And, and the feeling of the resistance yeah. in that is very strong. And the feeling of hope that you get at the end of it, like it pulls through at the end. Mm. This one just kind of peters out a bit at the end, doesn't uh. quite know it. And that's the problem with the whole thing. It doesn't quite know what it's doing. So it doesn't quite do any of it. Like the last scene is these characters that we don't know. It's these kids. 
Mm, yes. I know what they were trying to do, but it doesn't fully tie in to the rest of it. No, and it just makes a very long movie just slightly longer. <laughs> yeah, but if it had ended, what's the ending for the scene before? I don't even remember. Oh, no, it's that shot that I just said that with, where they're all like with other people. So Yeah. That, and that's, I think, supposed to mirror the shot of them at the window, but it doesn't because it's not even remotely the same feeling. Very odd. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I better wrap up. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. And tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.